Hey, welcome to Weekend Watchlist, a look at what's screening and streaming, brought to you by The Letterboxd Show. I'm Mia. He's Slim. Hello. And together we'll dig through what's dropping this weekend, last weekend, recent trends on Letterboxd, and we'll also take a peek at our own watchlists, all under 30 minutes or your money back. Mia, not only are we talking about The Northman, unbearable weight of massive talent and petite mama, but we also have a legit movie star calling into this very podcast. Anya Taylor-Joy will be calling into the Letterboxd hotline later in this episode, and her schedule is so jam-packed. You know that, Mia. She's a big star these days. So we might only have time for one question at a time, and then maybe she'll call back in a few times. But this is huge, Mia. It's huge for the pod. Yes, and I'm going to be very normal. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to this podcast thinking to yourself, this is just them playing clips from a 10-minute call that Mia had with Anya yesterday morning, and they're having a bit of fun. And maybe you're right. You know, or maybe she is calling into our podcast studio. Who knows? Who knows? Last thing before we kick things off is that we finally have a list that you can find in the episode notes so that you can add this week's movies to your watch list. And it's updated weekly, so you can always come back to that same list every week. Okay, The Northman. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> let's dig in there. This is what everyone has been waiting for. The Northman. Director Robert Eggers, written by Eggers and Sion. 4.1 average already on Letterboxes in theaters. And are you sitting down 123,000 watch lists? So this is the big one this year so far, I, f- I feel like, for the Letterboxd community. This was my most anticipated of the year. I-, I was extremely excited for this one. I remember when we were planning this podcast, you said you would quit the show if you weren't on this episode yes, for The I- Northman. It's true. I threatened a walkout. I was ready to do it. Um, (laughs) And I got my way. (laughs) So Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who's on a mission to save his mother, kill his uncle, and avenge his father. You saw this movie. I did not. What can you tell me about this? It's brutal in the best ways possible. Mm. I Even though it was my most anticipated, I was a little bit nervous going in because I just don't care for Vikings that much personally. But the scale of this movie is so impressive. Robert Eggers' dedication to authenticity um, was was just incredible to watch. Like I was completely pulled into the world. I actually cared about Vikings for two hours. Wow. Yeah, and it's just it's just big and weird, and it's crazy that it exists, that it like had such a big budget, and that it's getting a wide release because this movie is edgy in a good way. <laughs> Are Egger fans considered eggheads? Can we call them eggheads? <laughs> if so, I I am a proud egghead. <laughs> you are a proud egghead. We uh, always appreciate when people leave reviews for movies and tag it weekend watch list. So maybe we have time we can spotlight it. So Popcorn Fodder wrote a review for Northman as well. Uh, quote, the Northman soaks you in blood, sweat, and atmosphere for two full hours. Robert Eggers takes his penchant for folk tales and mythology to new heights. The squeamish may want to give this one a miss. Yes. Uh, um, so there you go. Yeah, it's extremely gory, which I like. I I really mm. loved all the kills and the blood and the. It's a very dirty, grimy movie, and you can you can really feel it. Um, mm. yeah. oh. Oh, oh. oh, Mia. I th- oh, I. 
is this the letterbox hotline getting a call right now? I think this could be Anya. This could be Anya. Yeah, here, let me, I'll pick it up. Hold on. Um, hello? Hi, Mia. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you for asking, Anya. Okay, okay. I know we don't have a ton of time, but we were just talking about your movie, The Northman. And um, I actually wanted to get to know your taste in movies before we talk about that, since, you know, Letterboxd is all about discovering film. So what are some foundational films for you? Oh, gosh. Massive question. I'll, I'll talk about the films that I've been leaning on recently. Almost Famous Always. I just love that film. I remember seeing it for the first time. And I thought the way that they captured tone was really quite singular. Um, I'll put on Arrival if I'm feeling very Ooh. depressed about Hell the state yeah. of the world. <laughs> I love that film. I think its message is incredible. And then Rand, so like this is not answering your question at all. These are not foundational movies for me, but they are <laughs> random things that I'm really enjoying at the moment. I'd forgotten how amazing Interview with the Vampire is. Mm-hmm. It's so great. Mm-hmm. It's so campy. Yes, it's so exactly. fabulous. The manicures on Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise are just out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun to watch. Like, I cannot believe I have never dressed up as Lestat for Halloween. I'm, <sighs> I'm completely shocked at that missed opportunity. Oh, my God. Mia, are you going to dress up as Lestat for next Halloween? I could rock it. I'd actually rather be Kirsten Dunst, little vampire. Yeah. I'll be little vampire Kirsten Dunst and she can be Lestat and we're going to do a couple of costumes. (laughs) Mia and Anya hanging out next Halloween. Stay tuned. So I think uh, we lost Anya. Hopefully we can hear back from Anya later in the show. Not to bring up interview with the vampire again because we just talked about it, but I, (laughs) I, I agree with her. It's so campy and fun. And like, that's the draw of it for me is just like these gay little vampires raising a daughter <laughs> who's Kirsten Dunst. Dream movie. But we mm-hmm. need to continue on. Hopefully, yes. uh, Anya calls back. Uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is also releasing this week. This is Sweeping the Nation on social media. Directed by Tom Gormican, written by Gormican and Kevin Etten. 3.8 average. So we're starting to see some averages already. Some of these movies have been out for a little bit in other locations. 43,000 watch lists, Mia. Creatively unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, Nick Cage must accept a $1 million offer to attend the birthday of a dangerous superfan. Things take a wildly unexpected turn when Cage is recruited by a CIA operative and forced to live up to his own legend, channeling his most iconic and beloved on-screen characters in order to save himself and his loved ones. Nicholas Cage. We're living in a Nicholas Cage moment right now, right? His last like 18 months... It's almost like a resurgence in mainstream Nick Cage awareness. What do you think? <laughs> Nick Cage awareness. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I mean, at an all time high. <laughs> and uh, a point that he keeps bringing up in the movie is how he's like, I never went anywhere. All those years when people didn't care. It's like, I've always been here. I've always been a movie star, even uh-huh. if people didn't care as much, which was, which was an aspect I liked, you know, like he never went away. He's always mm-hmm. been this larger than life figure. So you saw this and you you think this is like extremely meta movie. So if those are your bag that I you you think people will love this. If you if you really like the way that modern meta comedy is going and if you love Nicolas Cage, yes. This is like if you if you enjoy Nicolas Cage in any capacity really, um this one's fun cuz there are so many shout outs to his filmography, but at the same time that's the whole joke of the movie is just kind of mm-hmm. na- like referencing Nicholas Cage stuff. Um, 
which gets a, a little bit old, just recognizing stuff and being like, I know that. Uh-huh. And that's the whole thing. Andy Stone left a review uh, and tagged this based on the true story of what happens when two letterbox users meet in real life. <laughs> I saw a clip on Twitter of him uh, referencing Paddington too. I don't want to give anything too much away, but it's a pretty good clip. Pretty good. No, no, it's a fun, it's fun. Oh, 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 oh I can't talk on. anymore about that movie because I think Anya's <laughs> calling again. Here, hold on. Uh, h- hello? Hi, Mia. How's it going? Great, Anya. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to get back into the Northman again because we, we lost you there for a second. So what I found really fascinating about your character, Olga of the Birch Forest, who is a Slavic sorceress who meets Amleth, um, is how she is really a foil to his hypermasculinity. Um, he has the strength to break men's bones, but you have the cunning to break their minds, according to one of your lines. And I was wondering if you could speak more about Olga's cunning and her role in balancing uh, brutality with tenderness. I think something that's really nice about how we're presenting these two characters, but also masculinity and femininity as a whole in this film, is there's a great amount of respect for both in terms of what they can bring to the table. I don't think that there's any moment that Amleth looks at Olga and thinks, oh, dead weight, because she is, you know, five times smaller than me. There's not a single moment where he does that. He's always kind of looking at her thinking, okay, this is really helpful, or I'm in awe of what she's doing right now. And it kind of works vice versa. So I think it's nice just to be part of a team where both of them are pulling together to make this work. You see them working together first for their shared goals, second for their love that, you know, develops over the course of time. And it's, it's, it's just nice to be presenting that. It's nice to not just be, you know, thrown around and um, violated essentially in a movie like this, which I think it could be quite easy to, to make the female roles that. I need to see this movie. When am I yeah. seeing this movie? Go see it. Please. It's incredible. Wake up. Where's my screenings? Yeah, you know, I live in fancy LA. What about fancy Philadelphia? Fancy Philadelphia. <laughs> no, I mean, that's it's also a great answer because this movie really does balance, like, you know, it is a very, Vikings are very macho, <laughs> just intrinsically. Mm-hmm. But it this film does such a great job of balancing that with tenderness and just like not devolving into this <laughs> machismo. Machismo, <laughs> yuck fest. yeah. <laughs> machismo <laughs> yuck fest. It, is, it could have been. Put that on the DVD sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a, can I just say it's been a treat to have Anya call the Letterbox hotline so far this yeah. episode. Hopefully, maybe we can hear from her one more time. I sure hope she calls in one more time. <laughs> Let's transition from brutality to tenderness with Petite Maman, written and directed by Celine Siama. 4.0 average, and it's on 61,000 watch lists. Eight-year-old Nellie has just lost her beloved grandmother and is helping her parents clean out her mother's childhood home. She explores the house and the surrounding woods with her mother, surrounding woods where her mother used to play and where she built the treehouse Nellie has heard so much about. One day, her mother suddenly leaves. That is when Nellie meets a girl of her own age in the woods building a tree house. This is, uh, I think, it finally expanding to more theaters. So we talked uh, a little bit about Neon and this movie last week with Mitchell I have to ask you, is Celine Siama my favorite director? Yes. Thank you. I'll answer that for you. Yes, she is and she <laughs> I deserves- I rest my case. <laughs> she deserves that title, that honor. What do, you, what do you think about this movie? Oh, it's so sweet. It is just such a sweet meditation on just like 
grief and daughterhood and motherhood and family while also not being like too saccharine and, and preachy or anything. It just feels authentic. Um, mm-hmm. she, is, she is just such a brilliant director and I love everything she makes. Plus it's like a tight 72 minutes. Petite. You could say that. Very nicely played. <laughs> I, I, I rewatched this this week. I gave it five stars. In a previous review, I said Celine is a god. You know, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, another perfect film, and she's backed it up with another one. Yes. In my view. So I'm excited for people to experience this. Very meditative. You're right. I mean, it's an absolute treat of a film. This might be my movie of the year. Ooh, Two years in a row. Great pick. <laughs> Two years in a row. Yeah, I know. I've been waiting for this one for so, so long. I feel like mm-hmm. it came out a year ago, but it didn't. Yeah. Criterion. Let's let's add this, please, ASAP, so we can mm-hmm. get a nice Blu-ray release. Ooh. Oh, my wish came true. She's calling again. <laughs> Maybe. I shouldn't assume. I should not assume. But. It could be anybody. Okay. It could we be don't anybody, even know. Let's see. Um, Hello? Hi, Mia. How's it going? Oh, hello, Anya. So good to hear from you again. Okay, so we probably have time for for one more question. And I was just wondering what Olga means to you personally. Like, what will you remember most about her and what parts of her will you take with you? Honestly, a gratitude, a real, real gratitude because it's interesting whenever, sometimes it happens when you're doing it and you're aware of the significance it will have in your own personal life or the lesson that it is that you're learning through your character. Sometimes it happens in hindsight. In hindsight, I just think, wow, to have gone from being in quarantine inside to then playing a sorceress of nature constantly outside, constantly in the elements. And then, you know, the Queen's Gambit came out on this film and I was spared a whole bunch of things that would have been incredibly overwhelming had I not just been on the side of a mountain in my bare feet trying to survive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With the world changing on my phone, but not changing in my day to day. You know, I feel very lucky that I had the time to acclimatize and that I acclimatized in ways that are genuinely helpful to me, which is nature, reading, being around my original film family, and being stuck into working on something that felt so epic, but also requires you to have no ego. And that's those are my favorite films. I, I don't necessarily believe in, of course, everyone has a title on set, but I really do not believe in set hierarchy. I believe that we're all creatives working towards a common goal and being with that crew in Northern Ireland was just everything to me. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking with us, Anya. She's gone already. Oh, (laughs) All right, so we're rapidly running out of tape for this episode. It's been a jam-packed. So this is where we look back at last week before we take a peek at our own watch list. So really quick, I just want to point out that Ella talked with Jacques Odiard on Journal, our online magazine. I'll have a link to that in the episode. It's a dynamite interview. And we did get some reviews tagged with Weekend Watchlist, so I want to spotlight two. Austin watched Duel uh, and wrote, There I was, empty theater, and this family of four adults and three young kids walk in and sit right next to me. Right after the first scene, the mom looks at me and says, Sir, this isn't Sonic the Hedgehog, is it? Question mark. So that was their review for Duel. (laughs) And last thing I'll spotlight from last week, Gemma 
you know, our dear friend, editor-in-chief of Letterboxd, co-host of Letterboxd Show, watched all the old knives. Quote, slow and horny, so pretty good rainy Easter viewing. So that's that's some redemption for me. The, the, ra- the average rating for all the old knives, not good. But my rating, very good. 2.8. I, I also, <laughs> he won't say it, but it's a 2.8. You didn't 8. need to say it. You didn't need to. It was inferred, yeah. okay? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wanted to call out, uh, we're all going to the World's Fair, which um, came out limited release last week, but is kind of, it's expanding more. That's, it's it's just a really, it's a really interesting found footage creepypasta type movie. And I wanted mm-hmm. to spotlight Jared's review, Gene Dealman Creepypasta Challenge. Oh my God. 30,000 watches. This looks like a lot of fun. I, my kind of bag. you know, honestly, I would not call it fun. And I don't, I don't mean that <laughs> derogatory or... Anything, it's it's much slower than you would think it is. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, very more more pensive <laughs> than okay. you would expect. Because I kind of went into it being like unfriended. This is going to be unfriended. Uh, <laughs> what was the Zoom? What was the Zoom movie that came out during the pandemic? Was that? That was great. Host. Uh, host. Yes. Yeah, I love I really enjoyed host. host. So this is different. This is very different, but it, it's still great in a different way. Um, okay. And then <laughs> I, you, sp- you know, we mentioned Sonic just a, a moment ago in that mm-hmm. dual review, but I want to say that I did see Sonic the Hedgehog too, and it was more fun than I expected. I actually had a really fun time at Sonic Two. It has a higher rating than the original. Um, I want to add that Sonic Two has three point four, and the original has <laughs> two point nine. So that's like a pretty big jump. That's a big jump. It's what did you reference? What did you call Jim Carrey? Did you call him Eggman? That's his name. What did you, or did you call him Egg? I can't remember. His name's Eggman. I thought he was Dr. Ro- I thought he was Dr. No, Robotnik. He is Dr. Robotnik, <laughs> but he's also Eggman. Those are <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's a bit too long, but it it, it is fun. And I, I wanted to spotlight Yun's review, and you'll see why. Okay. Robert Pattinson, please voice Shadow the Hedgehog. I'm begging you, please voice him. I'll do anything for you to voice the silly edge hedgehog in your British accent. Oh my, okay. That's, All right. see. Last week, you know, Dumbledore came out 3.0 average now, Duel sitting at a 3.3, and Paris 13th District sitting at a 3.6. Uh, so I recommend definitely checking that one out. But we have to move on. Jack is still on a well-deserved vacation, so no updates to the Letterboxd Top 50 of 2022. But our watch lists, it's time for our own watch lists. And we usually talk about what we shuffled for our own watch list. We head into filter by stream only, and then we sort by shuffle. So last time we met, you got Blade. You had to watch Blade before we met this week. How did it go? Oh, it was so much fun. That blood nightclub scene, are you kidding me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was losing it. I was freaking out. I was like, this is all I've ever wanted was to go to this blood nightclub. (laughs) <laughs> if you guys have any leads uh, what did you <laughs> all of our blood loving listeners please reach out what did you think of watching this compared to like the current slate of Ma- of Marvel movies it's like a whole different world back then the truth is I haven't seen the current slate of <laughs> Marvel movies live, live your truth Mina, yes live it. Um, so I, I can't really compare them I suppose um, but I did really enjoy how zany <laughs> this movie is. Yeah. I have to talk about Deacon Frost. Please, Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff. The king. I am in love with him. It's very serious. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Deacon Frost. and He actually, was awesome. <laughs> he's 
So he's like this emo vampire type. Oh my God, I loved him. Edward Cullen Blueprint. Yeah. But yeah, we actually immediately watched Blade 2 after Blade ended. Oh yeah. We loved it so much. We were like, let's watch Blade 2. Let's just mm-hmm. do it. They're all on Netflix, whatever. And um, that, that was, was fun. Del Toro, right? It's Del Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. yeah and, and it's Del fun Toro. too. But um, it's no Blade 1, I'll say. I had a lot of fun. You weren't alone watching. Kingston watched alongside you this week and their review, Wesley Snipes is a god. Capitalized god. True. Wesley Snipes and Celine Siama are two gods. What a twosome. I shuffled and I got the sightseers from Ben Wheatley, who also did In the Earth, Free Fire. Um, I did not have as much fun as you did watching Blade. I'm the odd person out here. So it's 3.4 average. It's about these two uh, sightseers, as mentioned, been dating for several months and they go on a sightseeing adventure and I don't think this is a spoiler but you know something goes wrong and it kind of changes the course of the whole thing it's like a dark comedy where they are like murdering people that like get in their way so I didn't really connect with it but uh it's just not not for me capital n capital f capital m but some friends of ours are also shuffling their watch list this week so I do want to call out some reviews so wrote a burning review. Thank you to Weekend Watchlist for inspiring me to shuffle my watchlist and finally throw this bad boy on. I am now feeling ashamed it took me this long. Steve Young is a dang-ass freak in this. An incredibly sexy dang-ass freak. <laughs> yes. I think Steven Young should do more sexy dang-ass freak roles. Sexy at... Whatever that was. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually... When I first watched Burning last year, the year before, that really opened my eyes to him as an actor. I was I was pretty blown away by him in that movie. He's a, I think he should have been nominated for supporting actor, straight up. Mm-hmm. I think he's that good mm-hmm. in it. Rob, who wrote a farewell, my lovely review that we missed, uh, they also shuffled their watch list. Robert Mitchum plays an older, sadder Philip Marlowe in this very straight down the middle Raymond Chandler adaptation. That's probably a little bit too in love with the trappings of film noir. The voiceover stuff almost strays into parody, but I'm an absolute sucker for a detective who has as little idea what's going on as the audience does. Farewell, my lovely. So we love to see people shuffling their watch list. Join us. We have to shuffle again, I just realized. So it's time to go back. we do. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. Let's do it. Oh, no. (laughs) For the record, after the sightseers and uh, last week, I got the sacrifice with Mitchell. I went into my watch list and I started doing some culling. I was like, I, I'm removing movies that I don't remember adding to my watch list because I'm not going to get in this situation. I again. started doing that too. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to head to shuffle. I'm going to filter by stream only and sort by shuffle. And my movie is Love Song, 2016 So Young Kim. Neglected by her husband, Sarah embarks on an impromptu road trip with her young daughter and best friend. Along the way, the dynamic between the two intensifies before circumstances force them apart. So that's my movie, Love Song, streaming on Netflix. Wait, I think I've seen this. You gave it four stars. Yeah. Yes, I have seen it. This is a lovely movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's there's a nice Ferris wheel scene. I'm thinking it's all coming back to me. It's nice. I think you'll like it. Okay. It was very tender. I keep saying tender, but that's just... It's a great word. I like it. We need more tender in our in our more society. Tender. Bring it back. I'm, I'm shuffling. Okay. <gasps> I keep getting hit after hit. Oh, my God. Okay, I got Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh, my goodness. What a pick. 
Oh. You get banger after banger that's after what, banger. That's what I'm saying. Like, these are all movies I've been genuinely really dying to watch, but just haven't, you know, motivation's hard these days. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Weekend Watchlist brought to you by the Letterboxd Show. You can follow Mia Slim, that's me, and our HQ page on Letterboxd using the links in our episode notes. Thank you so much to our crew and thanks to Letterboxd member Trent Walton for the theme music, Eyes On. Thanks to Jack for the facts and Sophie Shin for the episode transcript and to you for listening. Weekend Watchlist is a tape deck production. People have gotten here this far. We can we can break the fourth wall. Anya was actually not calling into our podcast studio this week, but but you did talk with her. That is clips from a 10-minute chat that you had with Anya yesterday morning. What was that like? What was that experience like? Wow. It was, it was overwhelming in a very good way because she is genuinely one of my favorite working actresses um, and of my generation. We're the same age. Um, I've been watching her since The Witch and mm-hmm. um, I've just been having a really nice time watching her career grow because I'm rooting for her so much. So I was so happy that I got to talk to her. It was a great chat. And, and when she said that she was filming The Northman as Queen's Gambit had come out, I was like having a mental breakdown. I was like, my God, how long ago was Queen's Gambit? I thought that was like a really long time ago. <laughs> but I thought that was a cool answer for her to have be on set and just away from the world when that was going on. That was pretty wild. Yes, I did watch The Queen's Gambit and I'm not much of a TV girl. So that's how much <laughs> I care about Anya. And I really, I enjoyed it. She's a chess queen. I also, I also really would like to add a little public service announcement that her name, it is Anya Taylor-Joy. It is not Anya Taylor-Joy. I have the clip. Let's, let's hear it from, from Anya herself. Thank you so much. And thank you for pronouncing my name correctly. I really appreciate it. It's not the easiest thing for people to do. So thanks. Well, I I actually knew it was Anya because years ago I had watched this video where she says, it's Anya, like aneurysm. That stuck in my brain. (laughs) Yeah, that'll definitely make you remember. Yeah. So, I mean, it works. (laughs) The system works. So who's next on your list? What's the next big name that you're going to be chatting? Robert Pattinson, please. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Dorff. Stephen, oh, yeah, are you promoting Dorf. any movies? Let's get Stephen Dorff and Robert Pattinson. We'll talk about emo, sexy vampires. This, this, this is a Tape Deck podcast. Ooh.